Hey friends, I'm going to quickly introduce another follow-up episode for you, this time with Chad Andrews. Chad is the author of the Clipping Chains blog and the host of the Clipping Chains podcast, Funding Your Adventurous Life. Chad mostly writes and talks about financial independence and personal finances and finding meaning in work and finding ways to balance our work with our life and our enjoyment of climbing and these other things and basically move towards the life that we want to be living. Chad was on the podcast way back in episode 20. I recommend listening to that if you haven't heard it. And I also recently put out a reverse interview where Chad interviewed me. That was in episode 118, so just a few episodes ago. That was an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed it. And many of you have reached out and said that you loved that conversation as well and that you wanted to hear more from me and Chad. So I figured it was time for a follow-up episode with him. And this is basically another full-length episode. The full version is two hours and 14 minutes. I'm gonna share a short teaser with you today so you can get a feel for the conversation and see if you feel drawn in and wanna listen to the full thing. And the full thing is available right now for patrons who support the show for $5 per month. You can learn more at patreon.com slash the nugget climbing. There's a link right there in your podcast app for this teaser. And once again, if you sign up for Patreon, it just takes a few minutes. You can immediately get access to all of the full versions of the follow-ups that I put out, more than three dozen so far with past guests from the show. And you can get access to it immediately right now. And you can cancel at any time, no questions asked. So yeah, without further ado, here is the free teaser of my follow-up with Chad Andrews. I actually was just looking through our notes from our first conversation. Um, okay. And that was good. I mean, I have notes for this, but I wanted to make sure that I kind of refreshed up. But it's kind of interesting because yeah, you changed. you were really, yeah, lots changed. You were a really early interview for me. I think we it was episode 20, which yeah. was like probably around this time 2020, so two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And you and I have become much better friends and have had a lot of conversations since then. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, for people listening, there's some gaps in between with other interviews that, that you and I have done on your podcast and things, but, um, right. But yeah, it's good to see you again. How are you this morning? Yeah, I I'm doing good, man. Classically, uh, over caffeinated and, uh, <laughs> I'm on my way. Know, it's, it's this time of day where I'm just had just a bit too much coffee. Nice. So nice, but yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. We just, yeah, we got back. Like I was saying, we were in Flagstaff. We've been back for four days or so. Oh, you were just there. Right. Yeah. We just got back on Sunday, I think Saturday, Sunday. I'll have to get a list of climbs to do from you. For sure. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah. Our list might be different because you boulder (laughs) way harder than me, but I, I can put you in the right direction. Perfect. Okay. Well, yeah, man. Um, you have a much better sounding setup because you've started your own podcast. You're doing cool Ooh. things with that. That's That's been really fun to listen to. Um, for you. people that haven't checked that out, the Clipping Chains podcast, you can find it in all the places. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, of course. But yeah, the I want to hear about your road trip. So <laughs> last time we interviewed, you, I think you were about to sell your house or you were thinking about selling your house, buying a camper, striking out on the road and doing the like on the road full-time climber sort of thing with your blog. You wanted to continue doing that mm-hmm. with your wife who also had a full-time job and was working remotely. That's and right. I've heard a little bit about that just from our conversations, but 
Do you remember exactly where you were at in the process of, of thinking about that trip when we first had our conversation in 2020? Yeah, I really do. It was May of 2020. I remember we talked and that was, you know, a period of, of great uncertainty for everyone. Um, and just to back up a bit, I had left my career. I was a geologist in oil and gas and I walked away from that just before COVID hit. I, my last day was in early February of 2020. And I'd been kind of building towards this for probably five years. I knew that the corporate world wasn't a good fit for me. I wanted more autonomy. I wanted to do something different. And so we'd been saving and investing for this, you know, pie in the sky, financial independence. And we'd achieved that. And the, the time kind of came for me to walk away from that. It's a longer story. Um, the company got bought out. It kind of a lot of things happened at once. And so we went to Sicily, like right after I left the work. And it was this great period. I came back and I had all the time in the world to climb like full time. It was just this, it just felt like my life's work. And then three weeks later, the world shut down and COVID hit and everything. And so we connected shortly after that. And I was just at home. I was in Denver. Denver had pretty strict lockdown measures. You weren't supposed to leave your county. And Denver County is basically the city limits. Hmm. So I just sat at home for two months, pretty much. Didn't do anything. And we had intended to... Yeah, we had intended to leave the city. We, we, there was a lot of discrepancy on where we wanted to end up. So we had this idea that if we left and we would just, we had this camper, I actually bought it right when I got back from Italy. I already had it at the time we talked that we were going to take this journey of upwards of a year and just kind of bounce around all these different towns in the US and just kind of stay there longer than we would be able to if we just booked a ticket or did a road trip like our, in a traditional way where you kind of are there for maybe a week mm. and don't really. And so we were kind of hoping we would get to see all these places stay for weeks to a month or more. And that maybe we would know more about some areas that we had question marks on, mostly in the West, but a few places in the East as well. Um, just kind of shopping around for the next place to, to put down roots. Yeah, exactly. And we, had, I think we thought we'd end up in Flagstaff. We already kind of had that in mind. I lived there for grad school. We really loved it. I moved from there to Houston, Texas, which was kind of a shock on many levels for my career. Um, but it was a tough place to stay because it's a small town. There weren't a lot of jobs for, you know, a, a geologist with a master's degree. And so we kind of wanted to get back there, but man. Um, so yeah, in May, when I talked to you, we didn't think we were actually going to leave for another year with everything going on. we just thought the housing market was pretty much on pause, which it was at that point. We're like, we're not going to bother selling. Um, we'll, we'll just punt on this for another year. I went and built a, you know, a home wall in my garage. I thought I was going to stay put for another year. And then all of a sudden the housing market started kicking back up. We started talking to our realtor and she's like, Hey, you know, it's getting, it's getting kind of hot again. And we just kind of on a very much on a whim decided to go for it. It's not like us at all. We kind of made this decision. Yeah, very much not like us. From over about a three-week period, we we made the decision to move and then we were out of there. And we actually sold it remotely while we were like in Montana. We actually signed all the paperwork at a dog park with a uh, remote <laughs> closer in Butte, Montana. Wow. So that's, that's the kind of genesis of what happened. And then let's see, where do we want to go from here? So yeah, a little, another backstory is that, yeah, my wife is not a climber. And so that's, and we had a dog and we talked about when you and I talked, you know, just a couple months ago here, you know, we talked about the sustainability of living on the road and how that can work for some people and can't work for others. Um, I think we had kind of a lot of stars aligned against us in that regard. You know, I'm a climber. My wife was not, I was not working. She was, 
Mm. Um, she was trying, (laughs) Yeah. she, she had negotiated down to 30 hours. So she wasn't completely full time, but she did want to keep her job and she did want to work remotely. And, um, you know, as you know, depending on where you go in the country, it can be really challenging to get a signal. And she was required to be connected to her desktop through Wi-Fi for the duration of her day. Mm. Like there, there wasn't offline work she could do, you know, like you can edit a podcast or, or do you know, basic, basic stuff, you know, without internet, but her job in, in required her to be connected through her remote desktop for the entire duration of the day. That changes everything. Yeah. It changes everything. And so from minute one, day one, I mean, just to, I haven't really talked about this, but we, we got to Lander and we had picked a site. And from the minute we got there, the internet was really crappy. And we, it just was this like immediate, it hit us immediately how, the impact of our decisions. Like we had left our house. We didn't have anything to go back to if this didn't work. We were kind of in the woods and we realized that she wasn't like the next day she was going to have to work and she was having trouble connecting already. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a shock. They're like, okay, this is going to be harder than we thought. And our truck was loaded with crap we didn't need because we had just moved out of our house. We had all this stuff we didn't know what to do with. So yeah, it started kind of rough, honestly. It did. It was kind of like a shock to the system. And then, you know, when I wanted to go climbing, we always had this dilemma of, okay, does she come with me and kind of hang out and try and do work literally next to the boulders or whatever with her laptop in a chair? Or does she stay back in our camper? We have an A-frame camper, which, you know, doesn't move. It's not like a van where you can kind of... So we would set up base camp. And so the dilemma was, well, does she stay back in the camper alone, like in the woods, Mm. while I go climbing and take the car? Or does she come with me? And, and so we tried both. Neither one was a good fit. There was always like a little bit of resentment there. You know, it's like I, I finally had this opportunity to climb and travel and do this full time. And it was kind of hard to do. And I felt a lot of guilt around that. And meanwhile, she's trying to hold up her job and be a good worker in these increasingly challenging environments. You know, in COVID, you can't, it was hard. Like a lot of libraries were closed, a lot of coffee shops. Yeah. You had to sit outside and it was like midsummer, you know. And we had our dog, so you couldn't really just go. We couldn't both go hang out inside somewhere. So all these different things, we kind of picked the worst possible time to, I think, try it. Um, the long and short of it, is it lasted six months. We did spend a month of that in uh, an Airbnb in Leavenworth. We just decided to book something just to get out of the camper for a while, which was a real highlight. I really loved it there. It was. It kind of felt like a, a rejuvenation to be back in a house for us. And we realized we needed that and that being on the road full-time was not going to be a good fit. Um, winter came, we were in St. George. I'd been here a lot for trips over the years coming from Denver, just on like spring break trips or whatever. And so I knew the climbing here was fantastic. I had some questions on like what the community would be like, but again, kind of whimsical and not really well thought out like we usually do mainly because we wanted to get out of the camper. We were struggling with ways to make it happen as winter arrived. We just started looking at houses. We were really impressed with the quality of the houses and the value at the time. It was really far cheaper than anywhere else that we were kind of looking at, especially compared to Denver. So we kind of jumped on it and we we're like, hey, you know, we're usually very calculated people. We're very overly analytical. But this time we were like, hey, let's just see what happens. And so that's how we ended up here and closed on our house where I'm talking to you now in December of 2020. And so that kind of, that's the long and short of it. I'm sure there's more details we could talk about if you want, but yeah. that's already kind of long-winded answer. No, I love it. I mean, I, thanks for all that. I, I I wanted to ask you because there's so many people that hear my story and follow 
influencers on Instagram and things and just think that like van life is awesome and that it's always awesome. And it's just like every day you're camping on the beach and, you know, bathing in the ocean or whatever it is. And it's, (laughs) it's, it can like kind of suck, you know, like it's, you don't, you don't think about a lot of the little things. Um, Mm -hmm. Like one thing that's really interesting to me is how much time you lose just existing when you live in a van. Exactly. Just like finding a place to go use the bathroom, finding a place where you can shower, finding a place with Wi-Fi. Like sometimes I feel like half my life is just driving around, just taking care of like logistical things like that, you know? Um, you know, you find a nice coffee shop to work at, but they're only open till three and then you have to relocate and it's too hot outside to be in your van. So where do you go? And right. Yeah. Right. Add, add the COVID layers on top of that. I remember I've, I've said this on the show before, but right at that time of year, May, 2020, I was in St. George, um, and everything was shut down. And I, I was like editing a lot of podcasts because I can work in my van and, and record in my van and stuff. And mm-hmm. I only need Wi-Fi like one day a week to upload everything, right. whatever. But um, it was so hot outside. Like it was just brutal to be in the van. There's <laughs> yeah. no shade there. So I was like, I was like having full work days at the laundromat because they had like benches and, and stools and stuff. <laughs> and I could pretend to be doing laundry and at least like have air conditioning and Wi-Fi for a few hours. And I eventually got kicked out of the laundromat because I was spending so much time there and it was COVID and they knew that I wasn't actually doing laundry. Couldn't, well, couldn't possibly be generating so much dirty clothing, but anyway. <laughs> no, I remember we connected on video briefly to record that episode and I remember you connected and you were just like sweating <laughs> and you were in your van and you were just like glistening and I was like, dude, it's got to be really hot there. Now. Yeah. This was like late May and I now having lived here, I know what it's like this time of year, so. I think I almost passed out during at least like three different interviews in 2020, (laughs) like summer of 2020. I remember I was interviewing Natasha Barnes and I was in Portland, Oregon. This was like in June or July. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it was July of 2020. And it was, I picked a really bad, I didn't know where to go because I was visiting a friend and they're just, I didn't know Portland that well. Mm -hmm. And so I found like a parking lot that had shade, but then the, the, I didn't anticipate the way the sun was going to move. So I was just like blazing in the sun. It was too noisy to have any windows open and my editing skills weren't as good as they are now. So I just like had the van all, but I just like almost passed out talking to her the first time we had (laughs) during our first interview. I'm just, and it wasn't a video call luckily, but yeah, I'm just like pouring with sweat putting a wet towel on my face, like drinking water, just trying to keep my shit together and sound normal in this interview. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now yeah. you understand why you don't leave babies and dogs in the car. It's true. <laughs> it's true. You know, I, I was recently reminded that, you know, like I said, we just got back from Flagstaff and we spent almost two weeks back in the camper and you're quickly reminded now things are a lot easier now. We could go to like, you know, get showers and go to the gym or whatever, things that were closed two years ago. But you're still reminded of all the complexities, especially when we have a dog, you know, we have to be mindful of, again, that car situation, like where can we park while we go inside? Can we find shade? Oh, we need water. Today's a water day. Like you get used to just at a house, you turn on the damn faucet and water comes out. Or if you want to shower, you walk three feet to the bathroom and get in the shower. But uh, all those little things start to add up. And and I do find hard to find downtime. You think you'll have all the time in the world just to relax. Isn't that interesting? And when you're a climber, you go climbing one day and then the next day, and my wife always reminds me of this because I'm like, hey, I'm only going to climb like three days, maybe four. 
She goes, well, all your rest days end up being errand days. So we don't do anything fun because mm. then, you know, the next day needs to be laundry or we got to go shuffle around a bunch of buckets of water or go find a shower or something. So yeah, she, she's absolutely right on that. And you kind of take for granted all this stuff in a house that's, you know, feet or a knob turn away mm-hmm. that you got to go and physically handle when you're out there. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I cannot complain about anything in my lifestyle at all. I love it. But, but that is something I notice is it's like surprisingly hard to carve out real true rest, like real true downtime. A lot of the time I'm either, my default is either to have a climbing day, um, which when you're climbing outside, people know it just takes so much more time than like knocking out a two hour gym session. Yep. And then my, basically every work, every rest day is basically a work day and every rest day that's not a work day is an errand day. And yeah, you're, you're right. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I, I wanted to ask you this. You asked me this in a recent interview that we did on your podcast and I reposted that on the nugget. So people likely have listened to that or can go listen to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, that. I loved that conversation. It was, me it too. was, me it too. was great. Um, and yeah, you get a lot of people reaching out to you who are van curious or trailer curious, you know, road mm-hmm. life curious. And I know that, um, you have such a different perspective on it now because you're, you've done it now, but you're also in such a different place in life than me. And, you know, our recommendations for a 20 something year old guy or girl who is maritally single and has some expendable income and can kind of like take a hit and go try it, you know, is, is very different from a couple who's considering leaving a house and going all in. Um, so yeah, looking back at the experience in hindsight, are you are you glad you did it? Did, did you come out of it with any like I wish we'd known things or I wish people thought about these things that that should be obvious but aren't? Um, any other things like that come to mind for people that are curious about that lifestyle? Yeah, um, well, I'm definitely a uh, touch the oven to know it's hot kind of guy. <laughs> like I, I I gotta I gotta do things and I gotta experience things. I I, I would. Yes. I'm glad I did it just because I'd still be left wondering what it'd be like. Mm-hmm. I always thought that if I hit the road, cause I love being outside. I'm kind of a, like a nature lust. I mean, before I was a climber, I was a backpacker. I used to go backpacking alone just for the experience of like solitude. I still kind of love that. And so I thought I would really, you know, have this opportunity to connect with nature and I would maybe even want to just keep living that way. I mean, the reality, because of the differences with my my wife and I are our, our different lifestyles and even some of the aware, like we talked about all those errands that kind of wear at you. Yeah. I now realize that I like it in smaller doses. I still like getting the camper out and going camping or, or going on trips, but I like coming back to a home base. And so I know that now and that's information, right? I mean, I, I like having experiences that kind of inform me later because for years I would sit, you know, lusting over this in an office being like, Oh man, look at all those people out there. I, I mean, that could be me. This will be awesome. But now I know, and, and that's important. And I know, I kind of know my limits now. Now, like we were out there for almost two weeks and we were kind of in those last couple of days, we're starting to get a little grumpy with each other. And we're like, hey, yeah, this is about our limit. Mm. Um, you know, and we kind of noticed that after about a, two weeks in one spot, we're kind of like, oh, we're over this. And we'd move and there'd be a little dose of excitement as you move to a new place or a new town or something You're like, oh yeah, travel is great. And then after about two weeks of being in some place, especially some squatters over there, you know, being creepy and weird and, <laughs> you know, it, that's another reality. If you're out there in dispersed camping areas, especially where you need to be with a trailer, mm. vans have a little bit more optionality to be in like cities or whatever. But where you park a trailer is usually in these dispersed places, kind of out in the woods. And I mean, you know, 
I, I hate to say it, but there's a collection of folks out there that can be a little disconcerting at times. So, mm. you know, it's just a reality. And, um, so that would kind of get to us and occasionally. And so, um, yeah, the short answer is I really am glad I did it. We were able to, to visit the places and check some boxes on and, and gather some information about the places we wanted to see. We didn't even get close to seeing all of them. So that was informative. And yeah, now I just know that, you know, I have some more information on what fits and what doesn't with our lifestyle. So yeah, it was worth it. I love it. I mean, yeah, I think you, you, you talk about being an have to touch the oven guy to know it's hot. Um, I resonate with that a lot. Like I, yeah, but, but, but also I think that's just maybe my recommendation for, for people who are considering trying anything that feels scary and uncomfortable, you know, like don't be reckless, but find a way to test drive your idea, you know, um, it, whether it's a new career path or a new lifestyle change or yeah. something like yeah. find a way to, to try it. That's not full commitment if you can and see if you like it. Like that's something that felt important to me starting the podcast was to actually buy some good equipment and do a few interviews and make sure that I enjoyed it. Cause I thought I would, but I didn't know. And, but, but yeah, also that idea kind of paired with letting go of some of the fear that we have of, or, or the tendency, like, I don't know, we have this tendency to catastrophize, right? Like <laughs> it's easy to imagine that if you leave your job, that's providing you a stable income and leave your house and things don't go perfectly to plan that you just lost everything. And that's not actually the case. Like for most of us that are sure. living in modern society, you know, most of us that who are very fortunate and, and have an education to fall back on or work experience right. to fall back on, whatever, like most of the time, like how hard was it really for you to get where you are, you know, and how hard would it really be to get back to where you're at? Like, unless you have your total dream job, you'll probably leave and go try this other thing. And then if it doesn't work out, you'll probably end up with a better job than when you started, you know? And um, yeah, It's true. It is true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say the only thing I would have done differently, you know, talking about being able to come back. The one mistake we agree we made was that we sold our house and gave a, ourselves no optionality to get back mm. without buying a new pr property or renting something. We kind of felt trapped. I think if we did it again, we would have probably kept our house, maybe rented it out, gave ourselves a term of say, okay, let's, let's get someone to sign a six month lease or a year lease. And we know when this ends and we know how this ends. And if we want to stay, you know, if we roll into some town and have that dreamy existence, you know, you hear these stories all the time. Like I rolled into town and I loved it so much. We never left. Mm -hmm. And we kind of were hoping that would happen, but at least we'd have this property. We could decide what to do with the biggest stressor for us was not having an exit plan. And that's going to look different for different people, right? We were homeowners. We had some other people. It may not be a big of a deal. If you're already renting, maybe it's not so bad just to go find another lease somewhere else. But we'd, we'd become accustomed to being homeowners and we wanted that again. And, you know, with the housing market the way it was, I mean, there was a lot of stress on finding the right place and not chasing high prices and all mm. this stuff. So, because we did want that. And so it just depends, you know, it, I think, yeah, like you said, the younger you are, the less things you're, you are attached to, the easier this will be and the less risky it'll be. I mean, we were on the older end of the bell curve. I mean, we're not the oldest out there. There's certainly people much older than me who live on the road, but you don't see that many like mid 30 plus people out, you know, living full time on the road. It's, it's usually more a young woman and young man's game. And or retirees, huh? Or, oh, yeah, exactly. And then you skip all the way up to like 60 plus, you'll see a lot of those, the traditional retirees doing the road trips. So we, we were kind of this like 
weird demographic out there that, you know, wasn't well represented. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you and I have both had conversations on our podcast about house hacking, you know, and, and that's something you and I talked about in our first conversation yeah. as well, like leveraging your your house, um, renting it, you know, getting roommates, mm-hmm. whatever. That's like the simplest way to, to the simple, that's this, like the simplest money hack you can do is cover your cost of living somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um, any downsides to that strategy? If you had done that, if you decided to rent out your house and keep it, like any any risks or downside there, or do you just straight up 100% wish you'd done that? I mean, the downsides are somewhat predictable and like, okay, yeah, you could have somebody come in and trash the place or whatever. I think a lot of those things are overhyped. Usually most folks I've talked to who are landlords, by and large, have usually positive stories. The exception would be the people who rely on like short-term Airbnbs because you'll have people come in and party in trash places. But usually once you have tenants for 30 days or more, most people are respectable to some degree. So honestly, there wouldn't have been a whole lot of downside other than, yeah, we'd just have to be landlords and we'd have to, that would be something new to us. Mm. Um, managing a property from from long distance, maybe dealing with things that come up and having to find handymen or whatever, or someone on the ground when we weren't there to handle that sort of stuff. Now, you know, a lot of folks traditionally think of house hacking as renting out some portion of the house you're already living in. Um, and then the second tier part of that is, yeah, you move out and people just move in and you're not even there anymore. Yeah. But a lot of people are just renting out rooms, you know, right down the hall. And that's about as easy as it gets as an entry level strategy and least impactful to the housing market, I'll add. That's something I'm actually working on now is, is you're not taking up properties that other people want to buy. You're, you're just renting out the house you already are sitting in. Mm. And so that's pretty easy. I mean, long, the only downside to that is whether or not you're okay with roommates. And I'll admit that my wife and I have gotten pretty used to living on our own and we're kind of like in that life cycle. And so for me to imagine having roommates at this point seems a little less exciting to me personally. For someone in their early to mid 20s or late 20s or maybe even early 30s who's just used to that lifestyle, you know, and I spoke to, uh, you know, our mutual friend, um, Eric. um, Eric Jensen. Yeah, Eric Jensen, yeah. Uh, who just really likes having roommates. And so for that person, I mean, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. You just have somebody right down the hall that you enjoy spending time with anyway. They're pretty much covering your housing costs. You might even be making money off of it. And that's really powerful because housing costs are almost for every single person worldwide, the number one expense. So not a whole lot of downsides, honestly. And so, yeah, do, do I wish we'd have done that? Not necessarily for the money, but just for the optionality of saying, okay, you know, we saw some places we actually still like Denver. Let's just go back. Mm. You know, that's what I kind of wish we'd have done it for. Just to have that optionality of, okay, we, we have a backup plan. We're not just living in this camper. We're not like literally homeless, which we were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is something I hadn't thought about. I kind of know that um, being on the, you know, being in the van by myself, I have like a lot more room to... Like I can come back and park in my parents' driveway if, you know, if, if shit right. goes sideways or whatever. But yeah, if it's the two of you and she's still working and that that setup doesn't work, then yeah, you you really don't have an easy backup option. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically I could probably go park in my parents' driveway <laughs> in North yeah. Carolina too, but that didn't feel like an option. Yeah. Actually, no, my mom has an HOA. You can't do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's, uh, I have two like pros and cons things that I want to ask you about. You and I have had conversations about this and I'd love to get your thoughts. 
in hindsight, um, pros and cons of leaving a job. I know that's something that you talk about with a lot of people who reach out to you. Um, And I guess you're, I mean, yeah, obviously you can speak to your own experience, but you're probably looking at this more through your wife's experience who who kept Mm -hmm. the job. But yeah, any thoughts on pros and cons of leaving a job? Yeah, and and just for those who are you know new to this whole conversation, when I when I'm talking about, well, there's two levels of leaving a job. There's obviously people who are just fed up and just want to leave a job and take a short term time away or whatever, go on a road trip like we're talking about and come back to work. And then there's a little bit more of what I've been focused on through the the blog and the podcast is like full on early retirement in some cases. Um, which you technically could put me under, although I consider myself working because of the things I do now. Doesn't pay very much or at all, but so there's two sides. And I guess where I've cautioned folks the most is more on the latter, which is like the full on early retirement. So there's been this movement, the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early, where folks are able to via different means, some real estate, some stock market investing, whatever business creation, create a situation where their investments pay for their life well ahead of traditional retirement age, and they can walk away from a traditional like W-2 income. Well, and, 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 and for that, people that don't know your story, you know, yeah. for all intents and purposes, that's what you did. And now you're just continuing to do yeah. this passion project. Um, right. Right. Okay. And how old yeah. are you? I'm 37 going on 38. And when, when were you um, financially retired? When were you able to walk away from your corporate job? Yeah, I left the corporate world in 2020. I was 35. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and so, and it, it, I'm not that rare anymore. I'm not, I'm not much of a special snowflake. There's a lot of people out there doing this. Um, maybe climbers aren't that aware of it, but I mean, this is a huge movement and well, rel- you know, relatively speaking, it's not like it's maybe 1% or less of, you know, Americans or people worldwide, certainly less than that worldwide, but it is a growing movement. A lot of people have achieved this. Um, but I think, you know, I've thought a lot about this and this is a major theme behind a lot of the writing and the podcasting I do is, is just trying. Hey friends, thanks for listening to that teaser. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, that was just a small chunk of our conversation. We ended up talking for more than two hours in this interview and we covered all new ground. We talked about things we hadn't talked about before. We had a really cool conversation about the relationship we have with money, especially as climbers, and letting go of some of the guilt that we often feel as climbers about having more than the bare necessities and and making more money and things like that. We talked about charitable giving and voting with your dollars by putting excess money towards causes that you believe in. I thought that was a really cool part of the conversation. Chad's always reading and learning, and I was curious to hear what he's been reading lately. So he gave us a list of book recommendations. We covered his basic investment principles that he talks about time and time and time again on his podcast and in his blog. And we talked about health insurance for van lifers and for people who are self-employed. And that was a very self-serving conversation. I recently had to change healthcare and it was really helpful to hear what Chad had to say, because he's very knowledgeable on that topic as well. So if you want to hear about any and all of those things, I think it was a really great conversation and you can get access to the full thing right now by clicking on that link right there in your podcast app and becoming a patron for $5 per month. That will get you access to more than three dozen follow-up conversations that I've put out so far. Basically, 
three dozen full-length episodes that no one else can hear except for patrons. And I've done a lot of follow-ups with some of your favorite guests from the podcast. I've had Jonathan Segrist on there, Ethan Pringle. I've done a couple follow-ups with Steve Bechtel, Tom Randall, and many, many others. So be sure to check those out. And you'll also get the ad-free versions of normal episodes, and you'll be able to submit questions for upcoming guests and hear your questions answered on the podcast. So I really hope you'll consider signing up. It's a huge help to me. And if you can't get enough of the nugget, it's a great way to get even more content. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you have an amazing week and we will see you back here on Monday for another regular episode. We do it.